You're now listening to the Open Africa podcast with Laulu, Nosa, and Furo. On this episode of the Open Africa podcast, we have a guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is KB and I'm an investments and finance professional based in Nigeria. Awesome. So in this episode, we'll be talking with KB as well as discussing some recent, let's say, incidents, because these are incidents in the industry. <laughs> um, so to start us off, I think everybody wants to know or hear our thoughts on Dash. This episode, this episode is sponsored by Dash. Use Dash, um, please. Use Dash for all your finance needs. I anyway, you. this is how an ad will sound. You. This is how an ad will sound if you sponsor us. Just give you a sneak peek, so you can buy new mic. Yeah, the mics have started acting up. Please help our market. But anyways, moving on swiftly, Dash. So. I believe everybody is aware of um, the recent news around Dash. Dash is a, well, let's say, fin- fintech startup. Um, founders are Ghanaian. Just Criminal Enterprise. Um, that raised over $80 million and recently... Chai. Sorry. <laughs> that figure. <laughs> and recently, we've seen stories of them laying off more than 50% of their workforce um, and also potentially being in the position to be um, shut down as a complete business. Um, thoughts? So I paid for WeTracker so I could see the full gist. <laughs> How much was it? <laughs> it was like $9. But I canceled the subscription immediately after. <laughs> but <laughs> this, is like the, this is like the first time I've actually paid for something because I just wanted the full gist. Because in that, they like preview. There was like it was juicy, it was juicy. <laughs> and the first and the part they cut off had <laughs> some stuff. So basically, Dash they raised a lot of money, but they raised a lot of money off lies. That's the first one, is that he lied about his numbers, and artificially inflated it. And according to the article, the also called the employees thought he was just exaggerating numbers. I like thought the media was exaggerating numbers, they but they found out that he was lying. <laughs> so they too did not know. That he was lying. They just thought that kept, like media houses were just yanning. Just yanning. <laughs> so he literally conned everybody at home and away, including the staff. Tears. Point two. They were spending about five hundred k a month. <laughs> An entire company seed. This is not like on ads or anything. And they were not making any money. Yeah, the revenue was zero. Like, zero revenue. Like, sometimes when people say, oh, this doesn't make, this company doesn't make money. In my mind, I just assume, like, oh, it's loss making. It's not like, is that the, they make money, but it's not enough. But no, these guys are making zero. Wait, I'm sorry. I thought there was a product that there's, at least... There's a product, but they're chopping the cost. So, okay. So, additional context. Additional context. Apparently, they have... 100k downloads in the app store but then really only had like 28k users now me this is a side note TechCrunch released an article in february or earlier TechCrunch released an article at some point and he was quoting some numbers saying that they have over a million downloads they're doing 250 billion in transactions etc etc and i think we've been saying this over and over on this podcast like do these people check anything no because if you even checked on the Play Store and the App Store, you Together. will know yeah. that the, they had 100k downloads. 
how do you jump from 100k to millions there's nothing that is impossible for master <laughs> jesus how you know you know what people say and i think this that is not the first one i've seen like other companies i can't remember their names but usually the excuse is that oh in africa they don't really use the app store they use zender and they said that most of the that most of the people send it by zender why are you people <laughs> criminals <laughs> This one I've why, read why? I can't remember the company, but the person said, because it was like, I actually think it came up like internally. Someone said, oh, how can these guys have a million customers when they don't have up to a million downloads? And someone else said, oh yeah, they use Zender. That's how they do it. Just put it, put it out there. Then another thing I've also discovered this year is that people count downloads as users. Yeah. No, it's not this year. We've been knowing. We've this. been knowing it, but like it's only like this year I've actually got got intimate knowledge <laughs> <laughs> of, of people counting downloads as users. I always thought you counted like the actual accounts as users because that's what I know. But apparently, you count downloads as users. Then some people dis- decide that active user is someone that has now registered, not someone that's transacted, someone that's registered. Then transacting user. It's someone that's not transacted. So if you're an investor and you ask the right questions, you're on your own. Because you ask them how many users, they say 2 million. Okay. Then the other thing with Dash, apparently they had like a little over 100 people, like employees. Yeah. But mo- yeah, but most of them were like senior hires. And they were like very few civilians. Most of them were like top, top hires. And he was literally poaching like ex- high-paying execs to come and do what exactly to build the alipay for africa before we get to that deck i'll tell you so there's a there's a strategy and i think it's a mistake that certain founders make is that once they raise a certain amount of money like i think you get to seed or series a you start hiring high-powered people so you look the part for your next round because apparently certain institutions will now rate you based on when you put your team deck and there's, it's not like only doo-doo people that are there. <laughs> it's a diverse, it's a diverse thing. This, this is, a, is an actual, is an actual truth thing. Yeah. And you see it when, whenever people want to do something that requires legitimacy, for lack of a better term. So that's yeah. like, when Flutter we started hiring. I was going to say Butterfly, but yeah, since that's, so that's what I was like, yeah, these guys want to do IPO. So you can always gauge when the company is getting either they are raising a round or doing something. You start seeing certain hires that are strategic, not for what the people actually yeah, bring, actually to do the work. but just the face and the profile they add. You know, I did not say anything. <laughs> Please, Lalu, edit this. Edit that your comments out of this out of this podcast. No, but many, many, many companies in the industry are guilty of this, and it's almost like. It's a requirement as when you hit a certain stage. Anyways, adding to all of this, apparently um, there was a call or something where he was updating investors and he had given them an update as to how much was in the bank account, but they forced him to log into the bank account and they found that there was a $25 million gap in terms of what he reported as their balance and what actually is in the balance. Try. So things must have been going very bad. <laughs> For investors to tell you to log in and share your screen. <laughs> um, up then there's another eight million that he used to buy car and house in and New buy York. a house in New York and couple property in Accra. 
um, he was the only person that had login to their bank accounts. Yeah. And apparently the the incident of him moving money directly from the bank account to his own personal account and the incidents of him using the bank account to pay for things for that's for himself. So that's another one. <laughs> now, in all this, they also tried to do it, do business. Mm-hmm. They bought a microfinance bank in Nigeria whose license just got revoked. <laughs> but they, and it was like a dead bank, microfinance bank, but they paid 10 million US for it. Ah. They, what's it called, went to Kenya and bought one company for 8 million for 90%. But it turns out after they sacked the founder, it turns out that it was just 20% that they actually got. There's a Ugandan company that they bought for 4M that didn't really have license. There's a Tanzanian. And there's a Tanzanian company that they bought for 1M that doesn't exist. <laughs> so again, there was attempts to I don't even know if this is. Sure I don't know if they're real attempts or if it was diversity or if it was moving forward. Like even if you are a fool, eh, <laughs> after the first fumble, I feel like the next one should be a hit. Like you can't be zero for four. Are you Lukaku? I don't understand. What? How can how can you attempt to acquire four companies and all four have issues? It, it's it's deliberate at that point now. You can't convince me that. Yeah, they so so that's just doing. one of the many things that he he's accused of. I mean, I don't want to say allegedly do it because <laughs> there's enough. See, there's enough evidence. It's not really alleged. It's not really alleged at this point because there were there was first the issue with the Bank of Ghana. Yes, the Central Bank oh, of yes. Ghana. After they announced the, they did announce the raise, and I think they announced that they were licensed in Ghana or something. And the Central Bank of Ghana sent them like a note, a private. I don't think I don't think it was public. If I if I'm or I'm not remembering it all, but the Central Bank of Ghana just said, "You guys are not licensed. What are you doing? Like, why are you telling everyone that you're licensed? You're not a licensed entity." And from my own dealings with Central Bank of Ghana, that kind of thing usually usually tends to annoy them. So I don't think that Ghanaian license was ever going to come out based on that precedent. So. There's just it's just a series of very bad dealings, and and I know people say things like oh corporate governance is needed here, but I think there's no corporate there's no governance corporate governance that, that, that could have, have solved this. that could have saved yeah. what this guy this guy was doing. Yeah, so for the ill intentions, <laughs> like is yeah. it, of a founder. So even if he didn't send the, the money sole directly, signatory founder, even if he didn't add. send the money directly, all these failed acquisitions, I'm sure it's some money inside. Yeah, because, because it doesn't make sense. And Ten million for a defunct microfinance bank in Nigeria. Do you know how much a unit here one MFB license costs? Like if you wanted to start from scratch, it's under two hundred M. It's under a hundred M for the for the for the naira. He spent ten billion naira to acquire an MFB that is defunct. You are nearly halfway there to commercial banking license at ten billion naira now. Just add 15 on top, <laughs> and you have your 25 billion share I mean, capital to, requirements. To do that kind of deal, you're either incompetent or you're a criminal. That's what I'm saying. Like, exactly. It's, it's, it's so bad that I'm just going to assume it was ill intent that he was a criminal. Mm-hmm. Because Oh, by the way, I also just want to reiterate that this time around, is the Ghanaians doing bad? Yes. It's I'll, not us. And just to, for, for backstory, he's not, in his previous company, 
his co-founder is the guy that's is at float. That's I think we gave you contact, but now that we are talking about it, I just to let you know that this is a Ghanaian company, it's not a Nigerian company. It's the Ghanaians doing bad this time around. It doesn't happen often, so we need to, we need to celebrate it. <laughs> but they're doing it big though. <laughs> Nigerians, when we were misbehaving, we're misbehaving one million, two million. <laughs> Four million. The oh, Ghanaians. Exactly. So the like, Ghanaians showed up and are eating eighty million dollars. Oh, he was also on a fifty k a month salary. Now, do you remember this is a product without any revenue. He's a principal engineer at Google. <laughs> so for a non-revenue generating business. Oh God. Yeah. Don't calculate. That's six hundred k. That's six hundred k. So yeah, yeah. So he was. He was on like six hundred million naira a year. Like he was, he was eating. Like this guy was six hundred million naira a year. How much was Chevy budget? Ah, Chevy was on like four hundred or something a year. Yeah, inclusive oh. or exclusive of that one percent of PBT. I think it's like four hundred or something. For context, anyways, that just put that out there for context. So yeah, I, I think there's just a lot. And I people are trying to because I saw someone try like, to like excuse this as oh the investors are not stupid that something 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 I would like to go on record I don't want to go on record but I was like investors too can be stupid because we saw the deck mm-hmm. we saw the deck the guy said he's building the Alipay of Africa in his competitor slide he said his competitors are Visa Mastercard Paystack Flutterwave Impesa and card traditional sch- bank wait banks card schemes. Payment gateways. If you check his LinkedIn profile, the where did I see it again? That he's trying to bridge the gap between mobile money and traditional banks by uh, facilitating cross-border transactions. This is a confused. Like the cell was, he's connecting mobile money networks across Africa. But if you're collect, connecting mobile money networks across Africa, you're building a platform like an infrastructure pay. Yeah, not an, an infrastructure app. pay. Exactly. Not an app. Correct. So he was building an app. But the, what he said in the pitch deck sounded a lot like an infra play. And people saw this and gave him money. So, again, maybe it's me feeling, maybe I'm the one that's limiting his capacity. Limiting his capacity. But if I saw that deck, I'd have said this guy's full of it. I'm not sure that there's anybody steeped in like financial services that will look at that deck and not like question it. Like, it. You sh- he should have had you at Visa, or you should have caught him at that Visa as my competitor, Mastercard and Visa. But his mobile money that I'm yeah, because like the whole thing Come was on. that oh, he, like his backstory is that oh, he went to Kenya and realized that he couldn't use his Momo from Ghana and Kenya and decided that everything needed to be connected. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's again, this maybe the, I think this guy is how sweet now. And like that's what I said, like before we recorded, I said there's really no difference between Yahoo and this kind of investment because a romance scam is a an unsuspecting older woman <laughs> a romance on the other side. Investor. In an investment scam, I feel like it's an unsuspecting investor because if you tell someone you're trying, to... <laughs> I think oh, when we release God. this episode, we should share that deck again because someone posted it. It is a. 
it's a fantastic deck in terms of what it says they want to be. Like, it's so grandiose. For someone that doesn't understand the market, you bamboozled. Yeah, like, I don't think I've seen anything that grand since that guy was doing Passport API. Like, it is... <laughs> it is there. Yeah, we're never gonna get sponsors. <laughs> this sponsor break. This episode is sponsored by Dash. <laughs> this is what you add to sound like. <laughs> it's sponsored Open Africa podcast. Oh God! I think we just need to post you as independent, independent podcasters. Okay. So where? How? How did this happen? Like, where did what went wrong? How did it go wrong? What was what was his history? Like his pedigree? He has been a founder his entire. Time. No, 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 no. I mean, like his his professional. I expertise. Like, he has been a founder in the time. Mm, mm, mm. You can be a found to be founder is to just raise money and start. Lalu, Lalu, literally since 2006. He's been a founder. <laughs> no, I'm like Furo, Furo, Furo has his LinkedIn <laughs> open right now, and he has four roles, and all four roles are founder and CEO. Founder. He's a career founder. So before he started founding things, nothing. 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 So he just he finished from university and decided to start doing. <laughs> To start founding oh, it's, it's Graduated 26 Yes Actually started founding Even when he was in university Look now See bachelor's degree 2016 He had already founded You people <laughs> In the middle of founding You people You people deserve anything Then he founded a new one While There Then another one You see then they went to YC Literally after university Per the timeline Cause he graduated 2016 mm-hmm. OMG Digital Got into YC 2016 Does he write code? He graduated in computer science. I can't yes. answer whether he writes code. I'm explain why. Is this YC? So he's thing? technical founder. Yeah, he's a technical repeat founder. founder. Repeat founder. Two times YC. Yeah. So all the ingredients yeah. were yeah. there. Yeah. That, that kind of explains it now. If it was a Stanford dropout, that sealed. That I killed it. <laughs> First round of the hundred million. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember when this thing dropped, right? And when he raised, I think 30, 30 something, and it was outside Palm Pay. It's been the highest African. In fact, I don't think you should count Palm Pay. Palm Pay is a Chinese company, so it, it has been the highest African precede or is it seed? It shall for the round they raised that thirty two. He did thirty two M seed. Yes, he has been the highest seed for an African company, and when it came out, obviously. My guys were like, ah, what's going on? Are we behind? Like, where did these guys just come from? So, me, so I downloaded the app. I was like, and the app is very slick. Like, they actually, it was very snazzy. Plenty of people have tried to copy Revolut before, but they actually got a lot of the interactions right. So, if you even use the app, it would have been washed as well. So I guess maybe he had the packaging right, he had the finish right, and he had the pictures of investors that are not based in Nigeria. So you can't really do any transactions. Test so they're just seeing your interface and like, ah, this guy, this guy has it. Now, from my understanding back then, it was big in crypto community because it was the way you could do P two P trades with like people in Kenya and Uganda hmm. and whatnot. Crypto and even fact that cross border African P two P trade thing is also. It leads to even cheaper cash, right? Cheaper cash comes in here because cheaper cash had crypto open in Uganda or something, but not open in Nigeria. You know, Nigerians are very big on crypto. So there was very, lots of trade between countries. And I think you could do like arbitrage because I think cheaper was cheaper than Binance and you could 
buy from cheaper, move it to Binance. So there was that whole thing. And I, it was in that period where I started seeing Dash app as a thing. But it never became mainstream enough for you to say, these are the volumes that we are doing. Because if, some, if someone is saying, I'm doing these volumes and Nigeria is one of my markets, there are a couple of things that I would say, these like easy, lazy due diligence. Search for them on Twitter. If you can see customers complaining at, at scale, you know that these guys are have real customers. If you see, if you check, if you at least, if you have access to Interbank NIP, the bank that they are using for collections, do you see any spike in transactions to them? Then you can say, okay, people are actually like depositing and moving money. Going, seeing what, asking Uber and Try. delivery guys, what apps they are using to collect their money, can tell. Like, when it was Kuda, you could tell because that's what you just started seeing it on road. When Pampe and Ope came, you started seeing it. Even Money Point, when Money Point came, you just started seeing Money Point. So that's how you can. Terminals so you can tell when someone has real momentum. You have to see. Dash never had that. Yeah. Like, I never saw it outside of crypto people. Sorry to drag these other guys inside here, Chipper as well. Same thing, like, exactly with them. Like, like the same boat. it's a very niche thing. So when someone says Nigeria is their biggest market and you're not seeing them, you're not on the street. You're not seeing them on the streets. Like, I'm not. Like open now. If Ope tells you, oh, we're big in Nigeria, the evidence is there. clear. No like, you are not questioning anything. Because if you enter an Uber and you're doing a transfer, these guys are always on the newest fastest thing or oh, these guys don't do charges or oh, these guys their alerts is fast so they are always like forefront of trends so what whichever they are using you can say okay yes these guys are actually making inroads in this market but these guys never really had that mm-hmm. then even when they start because even because my because i joined all these telegram groups they had all these like fraud telegram groups for for context <laughs> <laughs> they, they used to have all these arbitrage scams like maybe their exchange rate for ngn to frank is not really aligning with real life so they'll be round tripping people will be round tripping money for like arbitrage they find out then they'll block what's it called they'll freeze deposits for everybody because there was an incident where people just couldn't withdraw from dash for a while in my scam telegram groups <laughs> Don't laugh. This is how I get market intelligence. I need you to add me. I was about to say, my beg, add me. So, I, they always had all these technical issues and, and everything that suggested that nothing was rosy compared to what was coming. This out. app is really snazzy, Shah. You are right. Oh, no, I, actually, I think they finished working it. Like, I beg, it is, do you still have it? Uh, I need like real screenshots. They are not sending me OTP anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to create accounts. It's not working. Like, you know the funny thing, like after looking at the deck uh, and someone that used the app, these guys are talking about um want to replace Alipay and Co. They were they had, the next feature that was going to come out was USD virtual card. <laughs> I think it's just a good point to note that. We said this over and over on this podcast that as oh, an investor coming gosh. into the market, you have to work with people that oh, have local no, insights no, 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 because no. this is a clear case of no. But you know, maybe like, maybe we're the ones deep in it because for an investor whose fund is I don't know maybe a billion five hundred million dollars and what he has inside that is like two million dollars like. 
yeah, he's pressed, but he's not really he's not really pressed like that. Like, do you get? Is it, at least I want to believe like that's why you would have DD failure to this extent. This guy has been a career founder. Um, she's a career salesman, bro. She's last the last company before this was it not like entertainment, like OMG media. The one before that OMG digital. Then before that, and then he ex. wants to do financial services. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said it. I think I said it on the last episode. If you're going to do financial services and you have no financial services pedigree, I cannot, I can't take you seriously. Like, you at least even understand some things. And, and I'll keep going back to this example of someone running a card business but not knowing what chargeback fraud is. Like, this is this is it's fundamentals we're talking about now. It's like doing an investment management app, but you know nothing about investments, and then you are relying entirely on discovery, product discovery, building in public to be figuring things out. Like it doesn't work that way, especially when you are dealing with with money belonging to real people. In any case, it's lucky, Shah, because. If it was Nigerian investors that gave him that money and this thing happened in Nigeria, EFCC would have carried him by <laughs> You know, now. as you just said this thing, I downloaded Dash again. I still have money inside. Ah. <laughs> Please, can you send me screenshots? Dollars. I beg. <laughs> Not even Naira. Is it Naira? It's Naira. Okay, it's Naira. I beg, just Naira, screenshots but... of the thing. I'll never get this money back. <laughs> it's okay. How much? <laughs> 54 Naira. Anyways, I think we spent enough time. How much? How much? Don't worry, just go. Okay, I think we've spent enough time on Dash. Um, there are lessons to be learned. Sorry, for, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But before we, there's there's also the Patricia thing that we never really talked about. Because uh, it's kind of like the same WhatsApp group. Maybe not the exact same play, but just the same thing where somebody's original business is a, is a clear questionable money laundering red flag. Man, For real, you cannot be selling. I cannot, I cannot speak on this one. I'll leave this alone. You can't be selling. Gif- I don't be. You I can't be selling gift card. Almost, <laughs> if disappearing is the price, it will pay. Then so be it. Because how can you be selling gift card? You know, Yahoo and Colts is very close. <laughs> I live in Nikoi. They should come and find me. I'll post my address. Who's <laughs> So that Mopo at the gates will not let them enter. Please, please, please. But yeah, just you wake up one day, you take your smartphones, no recourse to anybody. You say you are tokenizing it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Again, we ask about the pedigree of the founder, but I think earlier on, I think very early on, when we spoke about Patricia, people thought we were just haters. A lot of, I, I know I got a, personally got a lot of feedback just saying that we were just haters. For pointing out things like with regards to Patricia, you know, I, mean, I me, I even sometimes I, I try to, I like I try to have like balanced views because I feel like when it comes to startups, it's easy to be cynical. Mm-hmm. You don't need any deep insights to say, oh, these guys are going to fail nine out of ten times. Like they are not really going anywhere. anywhere. Um, but in the same vein, when something does not make any sense whatsoever i'm not going to hesitate to say that yeah this thing doesn't add up selling gift card anyways moving on to a more 
educational segment of the podcast. Since you are talking about investing. Yes. And raising funds. Yes. We are now going to talk about raising funds locally in the Nigerian markets. And that's why we have KB on the podcast today. So... Furu is so excited. <laughs> please, I'm tired of bad news. Let's talk about helpful things. So, KB, in your experience, what is the... How do you... High level, how would you... What, what's the picture? What's the fundraising landscape for, like, businesses in Nigeria? So, I... In terms of fundraising, I think I'll just focus primarily for... Uh, companies within the country looking to raise maybe naira or dollar there you look at it in two broad angles so there's the private markets and then there's the public markets because of because startups are you know where they are in terms of evolution and size a lot of activity really goes on in the private markets now and in the private markets i would say we have maybe three four broad buckets in terms of investors or people you engage for fundraising so first i'll say sort of the hni family office bucket so i'll say that's the largest ah we have family office in nigeria yeah yes. there are quite a few Many. actually somebody um, was arguing that we don't have plenty on the timeline now which day was that but a lot sorry. of them are super private you never ever know mm-hmm. please uh, please go ahead second that like these are people that broke nigeria Second, are sort of the institutional guys, and by institutional, we're talking more, you know, um, asset managers, fund managers within the country, pension funds, and then you have some debt-focused funds. Some of them are more offshore, where they have the mandate to sort of give US the debt to companies operating in emerging markets, and there's also like the impact guys who also are also have a mandate to sort of give US the debt to companies operating in emerging markets. The final bucket, I'd say, which it's, I'll say, is probably the smallest, just because of the terms of the transactions, would be banks. Um, as you can imagine, you know, getting raising debt or raising loans from Nigerian banks isn't straightforward. And you know, with the new CBN policy, which sort of stops the use of USD as collateral to draw that on Naira, that's put some pressure on ability of um, companies to hmm. sort of raise Naira from that angle. So that's sort of it from the private um, terms of things. The other bucket is really the public, which is relatively new for startups because of the terms to raise from the public markets. And the options companies have in the public uh, markets are, you know, raise a commercial paper, which is really just short-term lending, less than a year from institutional guys. And then also more long-term, there's the bonds. But we haven't really seen any startups of touch the bond market. We've seen a few touch the commercial paper market. And it's one that is growing um, growing currently. I feel like Max. Max did something. Max. Was it commercial paper or bond? No, I would say most likely. It's they have debt inside that they are on to. How to find it? Because I remember I saw it and I thought it was like a couple years ago. And I was like, ah, this is a very interesting approach. Because usually that, that's the kind of stuff VFD can do. Mm. Yeah. I, what I find interesting, or maybe the question that I should be asking is like, what is the... Sorry, before you go ahead, actually, Max, was it bond? Yeah, it was a bond. 10, was billion, a bond? 10 billion naira bond. How long, how long ago was that? 2020. 2020. 
I guess my own question is like, um, if you're looking to like raise capital, um, like if like what what would what should you be considering and why is a commercial paper an option? Because my grad my graduate training training school experience sort of positions CPs as a corporate Nigeria. Yeah, it sounds like something thing. that every school does. <laughs> Who will give every school? <laughs> I apologize, oh, for this. I apologize. <laughs> Please, we are not talking about <clears throat> that company. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't mean it. Please. So when you say what you, but what yeah, should you be considering what do you, what do you sort of mean? Like, so I mean, there are all of these options, right? Um, you are a company. Maybe the VC route isn't really isn't really what you want to explore so you start looking at other options oh, and then raise vc money i don't want to bring it into nigeria yeah, which is yeah. primarily the case for most yeah. people yeah you don't want to bring it into nigeria you're looking for local options that can sort of like help you you know get going you know why is a commercial paper an option or why is a bond an option actually before we even go that far like which one would you like what's the like, private or public like, i would say long term so, um public is always best because public is cheaper but to be able to raise public you need to have met certain milestones as a company for public companies to be comfortable to lend to you while the private guys are more willing to take i won't call it a risk but because you know they're again it's private you're not a custodian of public funds necessarily so they are more willing to engage and you know figure out different structures. But I'm public is a lot stricter. Yeah, public is a lot stricter because you have got um, you know regulated by CP markets, regulated by FMDQ, which is you know based on the mandate they have from CBN and the bond market is SEC. So regulation wise, it's extremely stricter. There's a lot of oversight there. But the benefit there is in terms of cost of funds, that's probably the cheapest you get. Hmm. This is depot. It's deep. So you said you mentioned milestones for public. Like, what type of milestones do you need to like hit as a company if you examples. want to go public? Like, example. So years of operation. Um, so minimum years of operation three years. Um, profitability. Um, it's it's a very 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 key key thing. And as you, <coughs> as, as you can imagine, KB, KB. Yeah. That profitability, we are gonna have a problem exactly. there. Exactly. And the final one is also important, is also credit rating. So you need to have an investment grade credit rating, usually two from um recognized ratings agencies within the country. Um so like yeah. if, like so like, Twitch or like uh, Augusto and Co. Augusto, GCR, um Data Pro, those are guys. Um within so you need to have an investment grade credit rating because the people you expect to invest in that commercial paper, they already have mandates in-house where they can only lend to a, to a company that has investment-grade credit ratings. So what's the process like? So like how, I don't know, like what's the process of like pitching? Because I know, I mean, from my experience, like pitching to like VCs basically is, is like begging. It's like a snazzy deck, firing emails, scheduling calls. And you can just like yan them if they really want to get deeper. You can show them how the thing works. Give them like a data room, etc. etc. Is it like similar for if you're going like the public route? Um, so for the public route, say there are two number one, you even have to convince the regulators for them to sign off and say they are okay with you engaging public investors. So that's even like 
probably the most important step. Um, so there's a process of preparing documentation. So typically you would work with lawyers and investment bankers and you know your accountants and trustees and all those people. You are working to present your company to the regulators to show them, you know, operations, quality of management, in-house policies, not showing that you're a serious company, right? The regulator will then assess your application and say, you know what, okay, we're fine with you. We approve for you to have, for example, a commercial paper program, which is usually for three years. So depending on the size, let's say you approve to raise five billion, meaning you can engage the market at any time within that three year period to raise up to five billion. So the really key, most important step is really getting sign off from the regulator um, because the regulator is really, they are the guys that protect the markets and market participants. So once you do that, then it's not really just engaging the market participants and not necessarily in the equity sort of um, area where there's, you know, the DD is really just a lot of meetings and one-on-one conversations and there are lots of questions. And as you can imagine, the average Nigerian investor is very conservative and even more conservative because of a lot of the things happening in the market or that have happened in the market in the last sort of few years. So there's a lot of deep questioning into really just them trusting the management, the quality of the management, trusting your financials, and really trusting that you know what you're doing from the point of view of you understand the risk within your business. Nobody's saying there are no risk within your business. But you you are actively doing things consistently to ensure that you react to risk and you're sort of aware of the things you need to do to constantly improve performance. So really just selling the story. So you have to have, in, in dealing with them, you really have to have deep, proper understanding of your business and your operating environment to be able to sell the story to investors to get them very comfortable to, to lend money to you. A quick question there is, so Jim, can you give some examples of market participants for like a commercial paper? For a commercial stuff? paper, you can think of your top pension funds, ARM pensions, Stambic pensions, um, asset managers from ARM asset management, Stambic asset management. So those sort of top guys, UCAP, UBA, those sort of people. Sorry, this it has been burning to say it for like five minutes now, but I kind of feel like a layman hearing this will get the sense that anybody you see in that market is sort of like trustworthy um, to make it past like the DD, but is that really the case? It's a, Can you finesse your way in a way that... And obviously, I know that you are yeah. not recommending this, but yeah. is, it, is it something that has happened before where participants in that market are kind of... I mean, we can see like dash finesse investors. Can you yeah. dash finesse like, like FMT? Yeah, so correct. It, it, I'll say it would be very difficult to not saying that it doesn't happen, but when you even look at if you were to gauge in terms of the percentage of quality participant, participants in the market, to be very, very high. So it's not impossible for a company to finesse to the point where you know they're not very open or don't present um, you know the depths of the company. But with the way regulation is in Nigeria, it's actually very difficult. Regulators are actually <laughs> quite serious in terms of because they don't play um they don't play with their processes and don't how play. they yeah so it's not impossible but it's, i would say it's going to be very difficult for you to go through that process because even if you had to go through regulators the investors who have big money already have you can imagine the process for a stambic to approve to invest to you they're not going to they've seen enough in their time operating the markets where 
even if, for example, um, for those sort of big guys where if regulation says one investment grade rating is enough, internally they might say, we're not giving to you if you don't have two investment grade ratings. We're not giving to you if you don't have on top of the on top of even what the minimum requirement is from the regulator. So it would be very difficult. So you do you meet like you have to like meet with all these like different one on ones with different stakeholders. So yeah, if, if you you're serious, like Stambik. Yeah, you meet like an ARM. Yeah, if you're serious for the big guys, you you give them that respect of meeting them one on one. You can do group meetings for maybe I, I don't want to call them small, but I guess maybe the smaller in terms of size of the funds they manage, but. Um, for the big people, you 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 give them the respect of meeting them one on one. So why would, so a company? Because you mentioned something earlier about not wanting to bring dollars in, like if you raise. So like, how does that work? So if you raise from like a foreign VC now, maybe you raise like ten M, but you want and you don't want to bring that ten M. So like, how what's the reasoning behind that? Um, key thing, as you can imagine, with <laughs> what we've experienced in Nigeria by the last few years, is FX risk. Um, you are you are no, opening yourself. Was the reason? Yeah, <laughs> you know. I just want to know. I feel like <laughs> <we're just> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really just FX risk. You are just opening yourself up to too much uncertainty outside of even just your day to day operations by bringing money in where you you have no control as to one ability to even take the funds out and what rate you're taking the funds out at. So, yeah, before this new CBM policy, where a lot of guys did is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you maintain your years, you're using it as collateral to draw down on, on some NARA um, locally. So you protect yourself from NARA risk. Okay, because, yeah, CCI is not enough to help yeah. you get your money out. Yeah. yeah. Even airlines are running away from us because they can't get money out. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point because I think one of the things I've really been thinking deeply about in the last so few months is it's interesting how you have um, startups or companies operating who have, you know, the serious guys or the guys that are not doing funny things who have raised funds from global VCs. So meaning that they've shown ability to, you know, that, you know, these guys are serious. They have plans. Their plans to grow. Operations are solid. But it's more difficult to even raise Naira locally than raising from, than raising yeah, from global business. And yeah. just from a classic or um, academic corporate finance perspective, debt should be less risky and cheaper than equity, right? Because, um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, which uh, there's a lot of work to really solve for that problem in Nigeria. Hmm. Because, you know, this is not something that like, many Nigerian startups do, despite the fact that most of them raise, like, VC funding, VC funding internationally. It's yeah, it's difficult. It's quite difficult, because even if you talk and to... They them, ask questions, hefty questions, yeah. deep contextual understanding yeah. of the market that you're you operating. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's hard to bubble. It's like yeah. trying to do a fintech play. Yeah. And I then re- you are going to meet bankers to give you money. Yeah. Like, they understand the they've model. They've seen numerous cycles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've been through they it all. Yeah. In so, my past get life, it. I was a founder, and we were talking to like local investors and one of them was like he wasn't even putting that much money like the foreign investors we had that put significantly more money but this man was like look as i'm giving you my money i'm giving you cfo like somebody actually there to protect my interest i can't just give you my money and on look so i think that so i think that like like kb mentioned like investors individuals institutional are just significantly more risk averse and will not be easily bamboozled because I think 
things are hard here so to make yeah. one naira you know the hustle and the struggle there's no free yeah. money like just yeah. for, unless you're in government shopping <laughs> no, like, money is not just flying around and it's not easy for you to just cut deals and make money every day so then if you for every naira that you have you kind of have to be very intentional about how you apply it yeah. you know actually yeah as you just mentioned that government thing i just remember you know that guy that put money inside at, a flat in Bordeaux, in croatia mm-hmm. now what did that guy invested that money in a startup? Hmm? Invested money in a startup. And essentially, they laundered the money from him. They bought They laundered the money for him. And essentially, he gave them money and they used it to lend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he lent it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have low quality crime in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like this is good crime. Because because things are hard here my dear <laughs> moving on um so we've, talked, we've spoken about public sector quite a bit right so let's talk about private so who are the players and who are the players in the private space and sort of yeah talk us through um that landscape so in the private space i mean that's really where you see that family office me i'm very invested <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. Like this guy has a family office now Twenty four hour. Yeah, most to be honest, when yeah, you, most of the rich, like most like leaders of industry in Nigeria, um, tend to have family offices. Yeah. Ah, you are so cozy when you said leaders of industry. Yeah, we said uh, captains of industry. Yeah. No, because I know like Dangote has one, and it was like a thing where Dangote was investing in like UK real estate <laughs> and not Nigeria, and it was it was I think it was on the news. Oh, that Dangote and the like the fund manager was like, oh, we're trying to diversify and de-risk Nigeria. And my mind, I was like, if Dongozi thinks we are finished. If we are really finished. <laughs> we are really finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but those, like, home offices, right? How how would that work now in, like, an investment um, capital raise type of way? Like, you just reach out, schedule call. Do you beg, like, VC or yeah. is there more? Is there, like, a process to it? Yeah, so similar. So I'll say it's actually similar to the public, but obviously not... Uh, so you, you you still you're still working with like your legal team. So there are two options there. So you're either going to just um, structure a bilateral arrangement one on one with the investor, or you almost do a private version of a public instrument, where it's a similar structure, but obviously by law, private um, structure is not announced to the public. You're only um, admitting sort of qualified institutional investors who you expect to understand the risk involved and understand the markets and the company and that sort of thing. So there's, you know, you're drafting the same legal documents, drafting a prospectus, that sort of thing. And you work through that process. Oh, so wait, because you mentioned something about qualified investors. Because I know in, in America, there's a thing where it's not everybody that can invest in a startup. You have to be, I forgot what they call it. Yeah. We have something similar. Yeah, in we do actually. Yeah. In terms of, there are a few things I think, your assets, you know, your net worth, years of investment, there, there's something like that. I need to double check, but I know on the FMDQ website or SEC one or both, they have a clear definition for what is a qualified institutional investor. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So from there, really, that's really where a lot of companies or startups in Nigeria raise from the private market. So. There's the HNI, so individuals who have, you know, they're liquid. And um, I guess the good thing with the HNIs and family offices is that those are people who 
probably would give equity to a startup. So they tend to be more comfortable to as well to give debt as, um, because you know they have narrow liquidity and you know, they're willing to take the time to understand the company and take that risk to to give debt. Um, and some institutional guys also play in the private market. So not pension funds, obviously because of their mandate, but a few asset managers who have mandates to, um, you know, broader mandates and can invest in in those sort of companies. And so, yeah, so it's HNI's family offices, institutional, and the final bucket really is, so global sort of debt funds. So you have, but that tends to be in USD. So you have some funds operating outside the country who have mandates to give debt to companies operating in emerging markets. And yeah, so those are some of the, the buckets. When they give you that kind of mandate, are they expecting to collect their money back? And they will collect now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they could, and they price accordingly to ensure that they protect themselves. So yeah. So if I if if I was if I was a founder and I wanted to start this process, where do I begin? If I want if I wanted to start considering my options or like where do I begin? Do I just call KB? <laughs> do you do consulting? <laughs> and can yeah. we get a commission for reselling you? Yeah, I mean, our first ad. Yeah, we can we can do that. But I'll say first things first. Just get yourself in order in house. Um, the, the the last thing you want to do is to engage investors if you don't have a clear story you're telling about your company, the strengths, the risks you face, how you react to things. You you just need to show you're a serious person. It's extremely important because. You, you don't want to put a foot forward that is not your strongest when engaging investors in Nigeria. And um, yeah, I would say from experience, the best place to start is from the HNI family office angle, the private markets. That's really where you need to hone into because those are people who tend to understand the space which startups play in and are willing to take a bet on startups from, from very early stages. But still, you have to know your stuff. Too. You have to be able to tell a clear, coherent I'm, story. I'm guessing these guys like one like proper business plan, not like fancy slide. No, they do target market. They're, they're not going to take, because again, as you've said, these are people that operate in Nigeria. If only some seen people cycles. had requested for proper business plan. Exactly. If only, and that's why, like as investors, you, maybe they will not have dashed that money away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when you hear stories like, you know, situations of people dashing money away, as you said, you, you ask yourself, what sort of questions were the investors asking these companies during the due diligence phase? Um, but, because you know, they went yeah, it makes you wonder what sort of questions they're being asked. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's you know, part of there it. are some investors that do psych evaluations, like when they want to give you money. Really? Yeah. Like they'll have like they'll have someone talk to you as part of the DD process to see if this guy is mentally okay enough yeah. to to not take the money. There are some that even mandate mopo when they give you money to protect the asset. Interesting. That like you're working in an emerging market and we're giving you all this money, so you need to have security. Huh. So that's so you have that. I mean, because because you don't really see. A lot to be fair, a lot of these stories that we've seen are it's a certain kind of investor mm. that's and a certain kind of founder. And it's a certain kind of founder. It's like they just know where they meet themselves. But with like the very serious guys, like all those Sequoia and Co, they they do like psych eval to see if maybe if there's Ole in your family. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you just say psych eval? 
Yeah. Like they'll give you MMPI to fill. No, no, no. There'll be someone to talk to you. Ah. That does like a profile and like all these like FBI types types where they talk to you and say this is mm. this guy is not stable. So it gets very intense at like the very highest levels. But when it's like I don't know. Again, they have a where they find themselves. MMPI is like a clinical personality test. Sorry, I just realized I said something without context. That's very interesting. I think that so is it that we don't see a lot of founders raising locally because they do do they do tell stories? Yeah. Or? Yes. Let's not lie to ourselves. I and I think is now that I, I guess like I have a better understanding. It's not too not too far away from banks lending, like this mentality and the approach, like it's banks lending proper. to it's detailed, it's thorough, and is the reason why there's a lot of a lot of SMEs can't really. Get, the, get access bank financing yeah yeah but i guess the issue with banks is you know you you question how much banking they're doing right yeah. in terms of being willing to take risks you're asking imagine asking a technology focused company to bring one twenty percent collateral of what like <laughs> is it not a what <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry but yeah. i'm sorry that i'm still defending the banks but is it not a technology enabled company that just just off their business today. I understand, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's that's how they price, that's how they structure their risk. I mean, they, yes, like they are not taking any, yeah, risk. but it's almost yeah. like you okay, but you can also challenge them to be like, okay, you have a traditional way of assessing risk, great, do some thinking and some banking work to really assess how you meet the needs of specific type of companies beyond what is already like set in the rule book. I agree, I'm playing it safe. Yeah, because, I agree. Because if you if you step away from even tech, but they should not do it with my own money, Sha. <laughs> <laughs> they whatever they are doing right now is what they should continue. Please, <laughs> treasury bills, just do treasury bill. If you are if you are one of Providos, Stambik, Kuda, you three are my primary bankers. I beg you in the name of God, don't the get creative. Start looking into investing in agri. I did send you. <laughs> <laughs> no don't do, do anything fancy with my money just put it inside where it's going to come out of no but the thing is like jokes aside if you look at the real sector you look at hospitals you look at i don't know pharmacies these are real businesses doing real volumes but they still can't access loans from banks actually actually pharmacies restaurants hospitals are probably in a much better position to access bank financing. They're in a better position, but they, st- they were still a big struggle. If you are struggling as a pharmacy, and I say this as a former lender, yeah, there's a problem. Because for many of these SMEs, the real problem is that we don't have visibility into like your inventory, the movement of your inventory, and then your financials too are not like v- very pure, right? So it's either they're like directors withdrawals, just like very mm. strange stuff. But for businesses that like pharmacies in particular, and I'm I'm hammering down on pharmacies and hospitals because like special consideration was, is even given to businesses like that. Like if you want to finance this new equipment for the hospital, like banks are all, all they are all over that. The SMEs that typically can't access funding, there are, there are two kinds. There's one that the Oga is an Oloibuku, where it is more like character risk that the banks are running away from, 
or that the SME is not like well structured. Because even Stambic had a credit product that it was sort of is between the RM and the credit guy that they agree, and the limit is like ten million naira, and it, it just involves like a visit to your shop, see what's going on. Very simple. So if you can't access that type of facility, you are probably a much lower quality type of of lender. Do you think there's an opportunity for like banks to do to have products that help you structure yourself? Like a so why say help you structure yourself? In on the consumer side, like the retail side in, in America, they have these credit cards called credit builder cards. I know what you're right? It's basically like a cashback credit card. And you use it to repaying that thing helps you build your, build credit, your score. credit score. And once you get a decent credit score, you can now get a proper credit card based on that credit score. So we'll, yeah. if you think of it from the SME perspective, if the problem is that they are very disorganized, is there an opportunity to help have a product that helps them get themselves together onto, so that they are ready for lending? Essentially, the banks are building their own funnel. So it, it's an interesting question that you asked because I was having a conversation with my founder and, and talking about things that smaller businesses just by virtue of their size that they don't have well, access to casually dropped the hairs left to heel. Oh, people have known since now. I said it. But yeah, like this thing is something that is I've seen it offered to like much larger businesses, especially when you go up that ladder, you go from like SMA to big company to like corporate where you are rolling with the blue chips. There was a company that it's actually your former people, KB, that IB boys were trying to help them bring a lot of structure into the business, like a proper CFO, like operational processes. It's something that, as of today, I've seen it offered to like bigger businesses, but not smaller ones. Um, but at the core, there is a force of will that I'm not sure that SMEs have mm. because many of these issues are behavioral issues. So record keeping, for example, you sell your goods, you get cash. It goes into your personal account. If I say, oh, go and register your business, have a business name, you know, and then start, you know, proper inventory management. For most people, just given the size of the business or the way that they operate, I'm not, I'm not certain that is the sort of thing that they will, they will easily accept for a future yeah. promise of being able to access right now. And, and don't forget that when it comes to credit, another problem is that, there are non-credit alternatives for smaller businesses for raising capital. So for them, credit is not a do or die matter. They're just going to do a job. Especially because of the cost. Yeah, especially because of the cost. So that's where I sort of hesitate, or that's where I'm sort of hesitating on this type of product, where it's great for them, but it's such a long-term play. It's like, in a sense, it's almost like insurance. Yeah, but then also, I think yeah. yeah, they just want to sell their market, get their cash. If they need money, they'll go to their union. They'll raise yeah. money from there, then pay you back in like super short cycle within yeah. one year. They've cycled out. Yeah, but but I think regardless, there's a. I mean, I, I mean, for the person who's willing to do the work, because there's a lot of work. There's really a market for people who are willing to do the work to understand deeply those SMEs, and then tailor products really meet the funding needs they have specifically and something that really meets the needs for specifically Nigerian SMEs as opposed to just a textbook solution. Yeah. Um, there's really a lot of, I, I would say there's a, there's a huge opportunity there. 
but it's for yeah. the people who need to do the work. Because you also now need boots on the ground. Exactly. You need RM to go and be meeting them. Ah, have you have you recorded this week? You know, we are record, record, record. I used to praise LCTF. I be LS. What's for? Like being very hands on. Have you seen the? And Lalo told me the MP. It's a social phone. They are not getting our money. It's fine. They are not getting our money back. Because before I was like, I was like, why can't banks do this? Look how LCTF is doing. Yeah, those numbers are not great. Yeah. Yeah, those numbers are not great. But that's the reality of the market that we are living, that we that we are operating in. Is why this private office, public, this public, the people who go there are guys who know that, yeah, like yes, my yes. business is solid. Yeah, they are uh, like oh, serious yeah, guys. Oh, ready to do things the right way. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most people, yeah. And I can tell the white man that my app is um is the Starbucks for financial <laughs> services. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, ah, fun, great. Yes, ten million dollars, like. That pipeline is a bit easy compared to like I'm not saying fundraising is this, easy. Wait, but do you think guys guys don't go that route because it's it's like because it's hard? I don't or, or it's because of ignorance. I think it's a bit of both. Again, I won't maybe I won't necessarily just call it yeah, I won't necessarily call it ignorance, but I guess maybe it's lack of knowledge. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's it's tough. It's um it's tough because you have to if you are not someone who is used to doing things in the quote unquote right or proper way, it's not an easy market to adapt to. Um, because then you weigh the cost and benefits, right? Why go through all of this when my guys are giving me equity USD offshore and I'm not as stressed to do that process? And if people are stressing because I want to collect three or five billion compared to the tens of millions I've raised offshore with not as much stress. Mm-hmm. But there's always the exchange rate risk. Exactly, which is why, but, but I think now, particularly with how the country is and what has happened, where people are really just, and again, I think that CBN policy was really a big turning point as well, um, where people are actually looking very seriously as, okay, the benefits of doing that whole dance with your USD, the option just isn't there, right? So you really need to go deeper, build the relationships locally to figure out how you can consistent. Because the good thing with raising funds locally is once you consistently show ability and willingness to repay, like the referrals will come, the investors will be willing to up the size. So, you know, the investors who in my previous um, job where we started out with just raising and this was within the space of six to seven months, maybe 200 million. And just from, you know, managing the relationship well, paying on time, being very open with performance, talking through with them quarterly, within the space of eight, seven months, that 200 grew to like almost two billion. And so that's really the benefits of doing that, of doing the work to really build those relationships locally because there's always going to be an error because we operate in an error based economy, right? So if you build that trust with the investors here, it's um it's the benefits are really fantastic. Fair enough. Any final words? Personal introduction to family office, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's actually that's actually funny. Like, how do you even find a family office like, as a civilian? That, I know that like is it KPNG? You talk to KB. One of them, they actually help set up family offices and like help like so like 
maybe it's the parents that made the money they then help do like tailor come and use my 500k to set up family office like educated enough to handle family offices and like build generational wealth and stuff like that 500,000 naira by the way 500,000 naira for what democratizing access to family office that's a startup idea i hear you anyway anyway thank you kb um for people who are interested in knowing more about yeah. raising locally, send us a direct message and we can introduce you to KB for a fee. <laughs> a small fee. Just a yeah. small fee. And this episode was sponsored by Insert Your Company Name here. Exactly. This they provide it. this so-and-so service to so-and-so people and you can get started at www.insertyourwebsite here. So this is how your... link Open Africa. That's how the, that's the format Yeah, that's market. how it will sound. Very straightforward. Thank you. You can sponsor a whole season. If you sponsor, we'll record more episodes. Word. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> That's the <so> market. <laughs> <laughs>